queridas, queridos, welcome back to the Beam and Flow podcast, a nitty-gritty exploration of your body, energy, awareness, movement, and flow. I am your host, Chloe Cofresi. Here we go. Enjoy the show. Buenas. Okay, so I just finished recording what you are about to hear, my interview, my second interview with Lindsay Aalia of uh, Bread and Butter, and we had the best time. So uh, Lindsay kicked off our podcast last year. Oh my goodness, it's been a year. Um, so uh, if you want to catch that episode, you can go back to season one because that's where it is. Um, but today we talked about um, Lindsay's use of cannabis and psilocybin throughout her pregnancy and postpartum. We get into what, um, how, like how she was using both cannabis and psilocybin, how often, um, what dose. We talk about whether or not she was nervous and how she navigated the medical system um, as a parent while using these medicines. We talked about how postpartum has changed her perspective on work and medicine and and just life. Um, And we get into a really important conversation around the state of ethics in psychedelic therapy training in the U.S. today and um, our thoughts on maybe another way of approaching it. Um, And and yeah, we we talk a lot about integration and... uh, how we move forward in the world as people guiding others on their own journeys. So this was a really amazing episode. I'm so excited for you to hear it. So here we go. Without any further ado, con Lindsay de Bread and Butter. I love that. <laughs> how are you doing? I'm doing, I'm doing good. I like, yeah, it's, I feel like the time between Christmas and New Year's is such a blur. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, shit, it's already Wednesday? Like, yeah. <laughs> first first Christmas as mama. I know. It was oh. so nice. Yeah. It was so nice. We hosted. We had, like, family over, friends over. Um, yeah, it was cute. I don't really, oh. I didn't grow up with the best, like, holiday traditions. So it's really nice to be able to, like, make our own and, yeah. Mila Mila was stoked. She was stoked the whole day and just like napping, eating, chilling, being loved on. I'm like, as she nice should to be, be a baby. As she should be. <laughs> How was your holiday? Um, it was it was honestly a little quieter <laughs> than uh anticipated. It I couldn't find anybody to stay with the cats. So oh. my mom and all the kids moved down to South Carolina like two years ago. Mm-hmm. So my grandmother went down there. E, I was here alone, <laughs> so it was me and the cats. But you know, we had we had a nice, nice and low key, low key time. It was good. That's it nice too. Good. Sometimes just yeah. a little decompression before, like yeah, just to close out the year. Yeah, it was. It, I'm I'm not complaining. Not complaining. Nice. nice. But I I okay. So in case everybody's listening, like uh, last time we heard this woman, she's talking about like cannabis and microdosing and now she's talking about her first christmas with a baby ¿Qué pasó? so <laughs> I'm still talking about cannabis and microdosing but just with a baby exactly. now <laughs> so and that's that's exactly why i wanted us to have 
to do this uh, <laughs> interview because, okay, so now I, I realize um, it's been a year since I started the podcast. And so Amazing. every every season is with, you know, either the solstices or the equinox is when we start releasing episodes. Awesome. So I'm like, all right, you know what? I like in December having that be like our plant medicine month to like close out the year, like mm-hmm. a time of reflection and like seeing how what new information has come up and different ways that we can learn from these medicines. So I was thinking, I was like, oh, I think I want to do another another plant medicine season. And then I was like, my girl just had a baby. <laughs> and she was posting about how she was consciously using both cannabis and psilocybin throughout yes. her pregnancy. So I know that this is not something that has been talked about very much in the public forum. So Thank mm-hmm. you, first of all, for like being down to talk about it. But let's just dive in for people who are like, um, t- sorry, what <laughs> you, you were imbibing <laughs> while you were pregnant. Let's let's talk about it. Let's deconstruct it. Tell me mm-hmm. about your experience. Yeah. So I before I was pregnant, before I was even thinking about having a baby, I've worked with a lot of pregnant folks throughout my time as a clinical herbalist, a spiritual herbalist. I've worked with a lot of doulas over the years. So I've had a lot of background information um, and experiences, you know, like through working with people. And it was mostly in the beginning, like CBD and like specific herbal medicines, a lot for anxiety, nausea, um, a lot of folks will go through bouts of depression as their body's changing so rapidly, as your life is changing so rapidly. It's like such a time of both extremes. There's a lot of joy because, you know, you're creating life and there's all this newness happening, but there's a lot of grief in that time also as you're like shedding who you were, what life was like. So having had all this knowledge, when I found out I was pregnant, I was, my partner and I were planning on trying. She came a little bit sooner. We were like, (laughs) okay, so in 2023, we will, you know, I was like, I'm going to work on my health a little more, like get my shit together, like get my workflow a little more steady because you know, I've been like, I just, bread and butter has been very much what I've been doing for the last eight years. Um, So yeah, January 11th, I found out I was pregnant and I was like, oh, shit, okay. <laughs> so, you know, as I was going through these changes, I was having a lot of, you know, reflections and remembering of clients that I've had in the past and doulas again. And um, I decided to not smoke cannabis for my first trimester. I did have, like, intense morning sickness. Like, and I was still trying to, you know, I have I have like a fire under my ass all the time. I'm forever trying to do the most. So I was still trying to work. I was still traveling. I was still like, I went on a road trip through Puerto Rico when I was like two and a half months pregnant. I was like stopping to throw up on the side of the road. Like it was really some shit. <laughs> but I have, um, you know, I have such a beautiful plant medicine community around me. So a friend of mine makes these really dope um, light dose edibles. They're called, her brand is called this and that. Um, and they're like two to three milligrams a piece of THC. So I was like, you know, let me lean back on, you know, mother cannabis and see like, 
because I knew when I was having menstrual cramps or just any physical body discomfort, that's a plant medicine that I would lean on for support. So I started taking these, they're called low-key low key chocolates. So I was taking her low-key chocolates and I was feeling a lot better. I wasn't, you know, feeling so nauseous. I was able to eat some food. I was able to, you know, like get through my day and I wasn't extremely high. I wasn't, you know, I didn't want to be like off my ass. I didn't want to be like smoking blunts, you know, all these things. <laughs> so I found a safer way um, to consume cannabis. And with that, I started doing a lot of research. So I found there's, um, I'm sure you've heard of Double Blind Magazine. They have a, an amazing membership that has like a house of workshops and classes. And they were having this workshop series called Parenthood and Psychedelics. And they covered a lot of everything from cannabis usage to psilocybin, to MDMA, to LSD, to peyote. And it took me deeper into the rabbit hole. Um, and the year before that, I'm kind of like jumping around, but the year before that I had like a semester and a half under my belt from the psychedelic therapy courses. So I'd already done some pharmacology. I understood how these plants were working in our body on a chemistry level. So I was like, okay, I know the half-life of this is, you know, I can take a lower amount and I'm safe. It doesn't, yes, it does cross the placenta barrier, but at such a low dose that my baby is not like, you know, high as it's there in my womb. Um, And then when I hit my second trimester, I decided that it was time for me to go back to microdosing psilocybin. Um, Psilocybin had been such a huge companion for me in the last three years. The last three years, I've been through so many deaths and rebirths, like literally like Phoenix, I call it the limpieza of like the years of limpieza, where I was just clearing everything from my life from a 10 year long relationship, from leaving an apartment that I was in for almost as long, for switching up a bread and butter looked like, to finding new love, to rebuilding. And psilocybin has been like my, that little light that's been really helpful for me when I was going through, you know, all of the phases and moments of darkness and bringing me back to light and bringing me back to light by bringing me back to myself. So as I was going through this major changes, I we went to Brazil for a couple months as we do for the last few years. Um, so when I came back to New York, I was really like, you know, shit really started to settle in like, all right, girl, you're like four months pregnant now. Like my body was starting to feel different. I was starting to look different. We were moving into the house that we're into now. Like there was just so much change happening. And I was like, all right, it's time to lean on psilocybin a little bit. Um, So I started taking a lower dose. And I actually, through that time, developed a new medicine, created a new medicine that I'm calling Sunshine. It's like a prenatal microdose capsule. Um, And there are like other plant allies like oat straw, nettle, red raspberry leaf, dandelion root, um, lemon balm, like all these herbs that are fortifying and tonifying for your womb space with like a small amount of psilocybin, just like a 15th of a a 1.5 gram, a 0.15, excuse me, not 1.5, that'd be crazy. Um, (laughs) And it was really nice. It was, it helped me in those moments of, you know, holding both that excitement and joy and that grief as I'm like, you know, was letting go of parts of who I was and stepping into who I am. 
And I took a lot of, I took everybody on my Instagram on the journey with me. And I was like, listen, y'all, like this body has been smoking cannabis for over 20 years. I've been using psilocybin for maybe almost 10 years, you know, recreationally. And, you know, my baby was born into this body that already housed all of these medicines that were such a part of me. So I felt like it would be safe as long as I was consciously consuming. And yeah, it was a really, it's been a really cool journey. I'm still even through um, breastfeeding, like even started to dabble into microdosing with peyote because I've been reading a lot about the help with production of breast milk and, you know, just tapping deeper into that maternal self. So that's my, yeah, that's the story. <laughs> so, um, okay. So in your research, cause I know people are going to be asking like, okay, so how, how much were you said 0.15 for psilocybin, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and with, when you were, did you smoke at all during your pregnancy or it was just edibles? No, I was smoking sometimes, um, especially when I was further along. I definitely, I got one of those volcanoes. Yeah. So it was like a clean. The vaporizer. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I also did a bunch of research and working on the farms and all the things. It's like, I know I didn't want to put just smoke into my body because that's also going to restrict the baby's circulation and her like, you know, flow. So the vaporizer felt cleaner, clearer, you know, so I was smoking, but in a conscious way or whatever. I don't know. People have, you know, their opinions, but in my opinion, it was my best, my best option. And so so far Mila's a few months old and she's showing all great signs of development, right? Like, okay. Yeah. She's about to be four months and she's like, the most chill baby. I'm always like, my little mushroom baby. She's so compassionate. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I, you know, it's, it's, um, it's weird because we have such like a, a warped view of, of, well, medicine and motherhood in this mm-hmm. country. But like, it, there are, there are communities all around the world where women are not only, imbibing and working with the plants throughout their pregnancy but they're like whole ceremonies that happen when you actually go into labor and you know like and I'm not talking about a microdose I'm talking about like a A full dose you know Mm -hmm. um and so I I would love to just open that conversation and see if if any of that came up in your research and um like what what you know about how other cultures of the communities use use our plants and and work with our plants throughout the whole process so that it's not just like, oh, we're like the cool kids in the U.S. using plant medicine. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> this is, yeah. this is not, no. this goes back a we long, long, long this. time. Yes. Yeah. We ain't new to this. We true to this. Like this is, our ancestors have been doing this for a very long time. And, um, you know, for folks who don't know my work, a lot of it is tapping back into, I call myself like a modern traditionalist because I'm tapping into indigenous ways of medicine making, medicine, you know, experiencing, but through this modern lens, because of, you know, because we can sit on a FaceTime, you know, podcast and share 
information. This is all medicine um, because we can gather and, you know, have Zoom classes and spread this education a different way. It's a modern take on what our ancestors are doing in circles surrounding a fire. Um, so again, like through these many years of working with plant medicine and pregnant folks and just doing like I mean, like, you know, I have like a Capricorn stellium, so I'm constantly doing the research. I'm like, give me the books. Let's see what, where does this stem from? Like, I'm very into the beginnings and the origins of things. And plant medicine has taken my heart for so long. Um, So again, going back to that program that I was in about a year and a half ago, two of the folks that were in the program, leading the program, one was a pregnant person. She was maybe like five or six months pregnant when we were doing a retreat. And she's a curandera. She was still sitting for tobacco ceremonies where she was using tobacco medicine. We were sitting for plant medicine ceremonies where she was partaking in the plant medicine ceremonies. And I thought that was so beautiful because your baby is really like harmonizing to your energy. Of course, like as a womb space, we just hold this person who has their own everything. But you know, you're their home for these nine months plus. And for them to get to understand who you are as a person, this is, I think, really an integral part of that. And connecting to the medicine of their ancestors, connecting to the medicine of their community, I think it's so important. Um, During my time in Brazil, sitting with not tribes, but groups of people who were working in the ayahuasca ceremonies, there were many pregnant women who were pregnant as fuck, like sitting for full ayahuasca ceremonies where they got to meet their baby, you know, in this different realm and this really special and like just such a special and beautiful way, getting to meet the soul of their baby, getting to know them, getting to introduce themselves in a different fashion. Like I'm so excited to learn what their experience is like as a mother now that their baby is here earthside. Um, And even going back to like Mazatec, Uh, Mexican traditions with psilocybin, there were lots and lots of documented journeys with pregnant folks where they were, they call mushrooms los niños santos. So the little children, the little saints, like, you know, taking this medicine and tapping into that energy of this little light that's living in your body and being able to introduce yourself and experience them in that way. um, It just, I think it's so special. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so to go on a tangent, but I'm like, let me. <laughs> well, that's okay. We're going to go on another one. We're going to okay, go cool. on a bunch. Um, well, before we go on the other one, let me ask this one follow-up question because I know I, um, I got this question from a friend who also follows you and was like very excited to hear about everything you were doing during your pregnancy. And she had uh, also recently had her first child. And so she was like, oh, but what if, you know, what if you go for your one of your doctor's appointments and it comes back in the blood work? Like they're going to call CPS. What's what's going to happen? So how did you navigate that? Like, were you worried about that at all? How, mm-hmm. What was that like? Yeah, no, I was definitely worried. Um, I actually sat down. I did a panel when I was about six months pregnant. That was about uh, psychedelics cannabis and pregnancy and he's a social worker and was telling me about working in communities where mothers are being tested during their labor um, and finding out that the parents had been consuming cannabis or consuming you know some any any sort of I don't, don't want to say drugs is not a drug but you know anything other than the 
over-the-counter Tylenol and whatever. Um, and CPS had been called on them and there were, you know, lots of issues surrounding that. Um, in my situation, I went to, I worked with the house of doulas. Like it was a bunch of different, oh, excuse me, midwives, a bunch of different midwives. Um, so they were kind of traditional, a little bit more old school, but we did do a lot of labs and all of that. Um, but my doula was really amazing throughout this process for letting me know that I can advocate for myself and ask, what is this test for? What are you checking on? Um, you know, especially when I was in my labor experience, like in that birthing portal, she was a great help and advocate for us by asking, like, what exactly are you, what is this test for? What do you need this, you know, this for? Like, what is that? Where is that going? You know, like making sure that all the T's were crossed, the I's were dotted, you know. Um, but it is unfortunate because especially through these last the last few months of me sharing my pregnancy journey and postpartum journey, I have spoke with a lot of folks in our community who were asking those same questions. Like, you know, how do I know what they're doing? What are they testing for? I personally did not share a lot of that information with the doctors that I was seeing. Um, and I know that that's up for debate on whether that was a good idea or not. Um, one of my first when I came back to the States, because I had a doctor when I was in Brazil for the first couple months, and I was open with her about my cannabis use, and I, she knew that I was taking a very light dose. It wasn't a daily thing. It wasn't a multiple daily thing. It was, you know, every so often when I felt that I needed it. Um, she didn't really have an issue with it as long as I was, you know, my my labs were great. Everything was, I was healthy. The baby was responding well. Um, but when I came back to New York, and I remember I was starting to experience intense sciatica. Like I couldn't sleep. My body was really going through it. And I spoke with my new midwife and I was like, you know, I was considering using cannabis or using like a cannabis topical or, you know, just doing something more along those holistic lines. And she was just like, whoa, like, oh, I can't really... I can't really speak on that. Like they got really thrown off by my whole experience, my whole, you know, just thought process on this and me being open and wanting to share this. Um, so I was like, all right, like, all right, this isn't, this is different. And because like I could have gone the more home birth route, um, but that's a whole other story where like I'm 35 and they put a lot of fear into me, into like, you're, this is a geriatric pregnancy and, you know, you're high risk for preeclampsia and, you know, all these things. So there was a lot of fear in my body at the same time. So I did go the route of like, let me go the Western route, but still have my like super spiritual, amazing doula who was with me. It was like, girl, we're going to do breath work. You can take the microdose. We will sit together. We will. So I had a little bit of the 50-50. Um, but in my experience, I have learned that Unfortunately, it is a lot of black and brown folks who are being tested without them knowing what they're being tested for. Um, and maybe it was, you know, a can of cannabis, whatever it was. But from there, the hospital is like, oh, no, 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 like this is not OK. And I was very privileged to not have that experience. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's really is hard. Like. During the, my pregnancy, I was also tapping into a lot of different resources. Um, there's a an amazing plant medicine woman. Her name is Michaela. Her she has an Instagram called Mama Delamico, 
and she shares a lot of information about psilocybin use. She has an entheogen like free ebook that you can download, and it, she walks you through a lot of different plant medicines that you can take, and people who have taken them, you know, as pregnant folks. Um, there's also this podcast. It's amazing. It's called Blunt Blow and Mama, and I can't remember the woman. I think her name is Shanitria, um, but she speaks really openly about her use with cannabis, and she speaks with other women and their journeys through using cannabis while being pregnant and postpartum. And so it was really nice to hear these other voices and other anecdotal experiences around me. Um, and a lot of them suggested stopping the cannabis use at around going into your third trimester. Um, I didn't really. I was still like eating my light dose microdose, you know, my light dose edibles here and there. Um, but yeah, you know, it is, it's really hard because it is a very individualized experience, but, you know, like I said, it has been a lot of black and brown folks that are the people who are being targeted for these tests. And especially while you're in that birth portal, you're like in between, in between dimensions, you know, like you're here and not, re- you're not really here. You're not really there. So there's like, I just remember being like poked and prodded and like blood being taken out and them doing this and doing that. And you're kind of just like, what the fuck? So, you know, it is, it's scary. It is scary to not have all that information. Well, thank you for like being so brave to not just do it, but like put it out there on, you know, on social media and, and in, in the workshops that you did do while, while you were pregnant, like you, thank you because not enough people know and have the resources to even Mm -hmm. know like where to find more information. So you're really like, you're, you're helping so many people. So thank you for, for being brave and doing that. (laughs) (laughs) It's what I got to do. You know, people told me these things, so it's my, it's my job. I feel like to to share what I've learned. <laughs> so how have you been, how have you been um, working with the plants while you're breastfeeding and postpartum? Like what has, what has that shifted? Um, how has that shifted since pregnancy? It's really interesting because like I said, during pregnancy, I was still using cannabis here and there. Since I've had Mila, I remember like maybe a, almost two weeks postpartum, my sister was like, I'm coming over. I'm bringing snacks. Like, what What can I bring you anything? I was like, bring me a Dutch wrap. <laughs> I just got some really good bud. Like, let's have a nice little smoke sesh in the back while the baby's sleeping. Like, I'm so excited. And my body is responding so differently to cannabis for the first time since I was a preteen smoking weed. Like, I am at an all-time low of like what I can handle. (laughs) So I had taken like two hits of this blunt and I was like, oh my God, like I just, I can't hang the same anymore. So my cannabis consumption has been far and few. Like I will take a little puff here and there, um, but here and there is really like all I need. Uh, But I am still continuing microdosing Um, about, yeah, I did. I mean, the week, I was in the hospital for about a week. I had a really intense labor. So I was there for a full week. So when I got back home a couple of days later, I got right back on my regimen. Um, I turned my placenta into capsules. And when I received the capsules, I moved, I was making my own microdoses with them. So I upped it to 0.25, which is what I was taking before I was knew I was pregnant. Um, so yeah, every couple of days I'll take like a quarter gram and like three 
uh, placenta pills <laughs> because it's supposed to really help with, you know, our brain chemistry. And I felt again, like as I'm going through this new initiation transition to be being a mom, um, it's been really helpful. Postpartum is really intense. Like that's, you know, I've shared a lot about my pregnancy journey, um, but I've been pretty quiet since Mila's been here. Um, but I am looking forward to sharing a lot more about my postpartum experience because I don't feel like a lot of people shared a lot about that time. It is really sacred, um, but it is really like, it's intense. It's intense. And again, that holding both like the goodness and, you know, the hardship in it. Um, but microdosing psilocybin has been really helpful. I've recently connected, reconnected with a friend who lives in Southern California and his family works with peyote medicine. Um, so he sent me some peyote capsules, like there's just like dried up and I've taken a couple pills. Maybe it's like three. I've taken like my third time um, experience, like sitting with it. Um, and it's been interesting because it's, it is a very mother nurturing cactus, a very nurturing plant. Um, and it's supposed to help with breast milk production and just being this grounded mother energy. So I'm, you know, trying to tap into that a little bit more and slowly integrating the medicine into my daily practice and getting to know it by microdosing and being really intentional. Um, but otherwise that's it. I mean, I'm still, I just recently started seeing clients again for limpiezas and reading. So I'm always working with tobacco medicine. I, I still was working with tobacco medicine, even while being pregnant for cleansings. Um, yeah, it hasn't really shifted much outside of my, my relationship with cannabis, which I think is interesting because cannabis is both, you know, this medicine that can help you tap into your physical body and help you with physical ailments, you know, being more grounded in your body, but it can also be a medicine of disassociation. And I found myself reaching for cannabis when I was feeling stressed or feeling, you know, moments where I wanted to mentally escape or just like, you know, just feel a little zoned out. And I think that's why the plant is like, you know, all right, girl, no, 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 no. Like you gotta be present for this. Like, this is some new shit. We, we doing this head on, like, let's go. <laughs> you know, I think that's really beautiful because it's not like, it's not like, it's not like you or, or cannabis is saying we're done. Right. Mm -hmm. It's, it's saying like, we need to reevaluate how this relationship is going to work now. Totally. Um, and I think that's like a, a, a beautiful thing. And mm -hmm. I know, um, I thought about for me personally, I've, I've sat with like, okay, I really do. Like I, I want a family one day, like one, hopefully soon, you know, um, I want that. Right. But like, I, I have sat with, am I ready to, to, to readjust my relationship mm -hmm. with cannabis? Because, um, for so long that it has, I, it has helped me in my physical body with physical pain, like mm -hmm. for almost 20 years. Right. And, um, and yes, absolutely. In those 20 years, there have been seasons of like using it more disassociatively and, mm -hmm. um, trying to like just zone out and it happens less and less, but I still like, I know part of it is I have an oral fixation. Right. So I'll mm -hmm. be like, I'm not even smoking. I'll take like a hit off of a one hitter, like half a hit off of a one hitter throughout right. the day. Right. 
And it's not. So when I need it for my body, I'm like, okay, I'm taking it for my body. And I know like it's having a different effect. And then there are times that I'm like, why am I like, I'm not even, I'm not feeling high and I'm not feeling a relief in my body because I didn't smoke enough for that. This is literally just for the act of putting it in my mouth and lighting it. And, and I'm aware that that's, even though it's a small amount, that it's a habit. I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, am I ready to like reevaluate that habit? Because that's not going to be something that I would carry over into that season of my life. Mm-hmm. And um, I just love how you approached it with such grace with yourself and um, and this really beautiful dance between like um, discipline with yourself as like a parent <laughs> um, and <laughs> and still curiosity as as the child within that's also the parent, yeah. you know, like what is mm-hmm. this going to be like? And I just I really love um your how you express your experience with it it's really yeah thank you it's been interesting like I try to not how can I say this my baby came you know was born into this body for a reason like I know that my belief is that you know this soul chooses you know who their parents are going to be and my soul, that little soul was definitely like, yo, my mom's kind of a stoner. Like, okay. <laughs> she's a little out there. Like, she's going to be trying all these things. And it's who I am. It's, you know, it's who I am, like, completely. So, yeah, like, I wanted to approach these things with a lot more intention and a lot more care because it wasn't just about me. And it's no longer just about me. Um, but I really wanted to be authentic and truthful to who I am and how I move through the world. and you know, how I use certain medicines as my allies and as my guides through most experiences in life. It really is just a part of who I am. It's not even like, you know, let me experiment. Like what, it was not the time for experimentation. That's why I was leaning on these really trusted guides that have supported me through throughout all these years. Um, yeah. And I'm so grateful. Like I said, I know that there isn't a lot of documented studies out there you know like scientific studies we're only now seeing a lot more printed studies about cannabis and things are still very much on the fence um but i'm really grateful for those for those folks who are sharing their knowledge and for you know the women who i've sat with in the past and got to meet their children later and they used cannabis throughout their pregnancy for support um you know, having friends who are therapists and hearing their like, you know, anecdotal experiences of, you know, folks who are pregnant. There are so many people who are quick to give pregnant folks SSRIs while they're pregnant. And those have a more drastic effect on your fetus than a microdose does. Like the fetus is absorbing so much more of that medicine than a microdose. And, you know, yes, again, like it is crossing that placenta barrier, but it's such a small amount. And with psilocybin, they are receiving serotonin mimickers, you know, instead of like what SSRI is actually doing to their bodies. Um, So it just felt just, I don't know, a little more light for me, for me personally, like I, you know, everybody has their own journey, but this is, this is my story. (laughs) Thank you for sharing your story. <laughs> um, okay, so 
in part of part of your story that you shared last time, and you mm-hmm. you mentioned it a little bit in earlier, was last time we spoke, you were just starting. I think you had just finished maybe your first semester um, yes. and your psychedelic therapy training. Um, and I I was also very interested in doing the same program. Mm-hmm. And and then um, some things had come out about that program and about others, too, that just kind of gave me pause. And mm-hmm. we had some conversation about it. And I just I would like to talk about what what you're willing to share and what um, feels right, because I think that this is. Um, it's a really important time in in this medicine um, conversation. And uh, I, I know that both of us are really adamant about speaking truth and wholeness um, mm-hmm. in, in, the, in this work. So um, I'll just, I'll open up the conversation by saying that there have been um, stories coming out from various different schools, we'll say, um, mm-hmm. uh, where abuse of ethics, um, inappropriate, sexual situations, not, not feeling like there was safety in, in the medicine and the ceremony itself, um, from a lot of, not just one program, it's been across multiple programs. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk a little bit about like, how do we navigate wanting to have some sort of, um, structure where there's, um, accountability in people who are are guiding others in therapeutic practice using plant mm-hmm. medicine. And the fact that because it's sort of the wild west right now, there's like in any practice, in any space, there's abuse of power. Mm-hmm. Um, where, where have you seen it? What has your experience been? And what are you feeling like is, is kind of our way maybe out of this? I know that was a lot. (laughs) Yeah, no, but that's very real. Like we're in a really interesting time right now. Again, like, like I mentioned earlier with that modern traditionalist kind of vibe of, you know, there are so many of us who are being called back to sacred earth medicines. Um, The earth is changing rapidly and we're changing as a collective and we want to tap into, a lot of us want to tap into our ancestral roots of using plant medicines, because no matter where you came from, there is some sort of plant medicine, sacred earth medicine practice. Um, So it is true. Like a lot of us are being called back to those roots. And with that, like there are so many people who are claiming themselves, these gurus, these teachers, these like know all be all people. Um, And it's hard because, you know, I'm a person for me joining the program that I went to, um, I was really look. I was really looking forward to it. I was really excited about it. I was really wanting to come at this work in plant medicine from a very trauma informed standpoint, from you know a space of ethics and care and understanding how to. I understand the energetic of the plants, but it was understanding the energies of the people that I'll be working with in a more like cohesive and just really heartfelt way that you know you could read so many books and you could sit with so many different plant medicines, but sometimes you really need to be in that collective experience to gain that knowledge. So when I joined this program, um, 
I was really, really excited. It is a beautiful program, just the way that they pair working with different therapists, different scientists, um, different collectives, and also taking us you know, to these spaces to work with indigenous tribes and being able to travel through South America and Africa and being able to really sit where these plant medicines originate from to have that like that vibrational quality and understanding. Um, but, you know, like we read, you, you sent me the article and I was just like, oh, wow, like this is, I decided to leave the program for Personal reasons, I think everything kind of just happened all at once. It was really the universe telling me like, all right, girl, like this ain't it. You tried it. This ain't it. Like, let's let's reevaluate, like take a step back Um, because I have such a hard time. Like once I start something, I have to fucking finish it. I was like, I just did. Yeah. Like I just did my first some almost year of this program. And there were things I was feeling really uncomfortable about. There was a lot of guilt that they were giving me for speaking up about things that I was like, "Mm, I'm not really down for that. You know, we just sat for three months of an ethics course and a lot of this shit ain't ethical. Like, so what's good? Like what changed now that we're here in person? I thought we would be really like sticking to those guidelines. Um, And I was kind of guilted for, and made to feel really bad for speaking up and deciding to opt out of certain ceremonies and certain experiences that they were offering, um, just because there wasn't a lot of, you know, just transparency on what was happening, whether it was the medicines that we were taking um, or what exactly we were going to be doing. And I know that I can also be a person that I'm a lot in my head. I'm very like, I need to know the steps so I could like see it before I do it. And so a lot of their program was about leaning into the mystery and surrendering to the mystery. And I was like, that feels hard for me, but I know that's a challenge that I do really need to work through. So I saw a lot of these moments of contraction and moments of being uncomfortable as being like, I'm not surrendering enough to the motherfucking mystery. Like, what is wrong with me? And they're like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, what's wrong with me? You know, it was a lot of this, like, back and forth. Um, But it was really difficult. And, you know, seeing the articles come out and the people who were speaking up, there were folks that were in my cohort, folks that I had worked with, folks that, you know, that I know or knew. I haven't really spoke with them since then, but that I was able to meet and, you know, have exchanges with. Um, it was really hard. It's really hard because it's happening in so many different spaces. Um, there's another BIPOC collective that I had been working with. They're working out of my space, hosting ceremonies when I was, uh, operating house of bread and finding out that one of the leaders of that program were just charged with sexual assault and, you know, not paying their practitioners, you know, the right, we're just not paying them at all, but still using their content. Like there was just so much, there's so much like harm that's happening in this space where we're supposed to be the harm reduction space. And we're supposed to be, you know, in theory, this safe space where folks to come have this, you know, therapeutic plant medicine experience, be able to let their guard down and be safe, you know, being safe enough to like explore the dark unknown, surrendering to that real mystery of ourselves um it's it's really fucked up because sometimes folks come out more harmed than they had stepped into that space um and I don't know like how do we fix that I have no fucking idea like I think you and I the conversation that we had recently was like really like 
good for me to have that conversation with someone who I know, like, I know that you feel me on the ways that we want to operate and work with these medicines because it's so ancestral for us. It's so, it's been such a part of our healing journey. And it's like, how do we, sorry, my baby's screaming over there. My my partner's like, (laughs) how do we, you know, take that experience and wanting to offer that to our community, to our friends, to family. Um, I don't know. I sit with it a lot. I sit with that a lot. And I'm wondering often, like, do I need that piece of paper that says, you know, oh, she did three years of this. So like now she's okay to sit with folks. Um, I've been working with a shaman medicine woman for the last three years. Um, And I talked with her a lot about it. And she reminded me like, these aren't practices that people got a certificate for in the past. Like being a plant medicine worker isn't, you completed, you know, a thousand hours. So now you're like good enough to do it. It's like, you have to constantly actively be in that practice, constantly actively sitting in ceremony and learning and sitting with maestras and maestros and, you know, breaking open to reheal, to break open to reheal. And nobody's completely healed. Nobody knows everything on their journey. So it's just, you share what you can and you keep going and you learn a little more and you share what you can and you keep going. And that remember, like her telling me that was really helpful for me to think about, you know, the people in this program who folks feel have, they, they have been harmed by. And it's like, they maybe haven't done enough healing in areas yet, but they felt this call to start sharing and you know offering these experiences from the space that maybe they weren't completely ready for. Um, there are a lot of folks still in that program and a lot of folks still remain in the same cohort that I was in and they're having an amazing time in the program and something about it worked for them and they feel safe, they feel comfortable. But for me and a few other people, that wasn't the space, the environment for us to grow and thrive and feel more connected to this plant medicine. Um, So I hope that I find what that looks like for me right now. I'm in that space of cracking open again, you know, like healing so that I can share what I've learned from there and, you know, go a little bit more on my journey and be like, Oh, here's my story. Okay, I'm going back on the road. Oh, here's my story. <laughs> so it's hard. It's a it's very hard, but you know, I yeah. Well, I I mean, I think you kind of you gave the answer that I think is most true and accessible for me right now, which is like I guess this was with anything, but especially with this work is I cannot control what anyone else does. I cannot control how others seek to control. All I can do is know that I am providing the safest space, the most direct, present container to hold the experience so that this person or people can get what they were meant to get from their own communication with whatever medicine we're working with, whether that's plant medicine or singing or movement or energy work or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I keep going back to like w- part of the conversation that you and I had privately before was like, there's just so much shit going on in the world right now. Like there's so yeah. much. And um, we both have been feeling kind of this 
call to unplug and like mm-hmm. find a different way to be present for people without being plugged in in that way. Mm-hmm. And I keep coming back to this, like, because I don't mean this um, as like putting myself on a pedestal. I mean this for all of us. Like I am the medicine. You are the medicine, right? Exactly. Like if if I'm not watering myself, if I'm not feeding myself, if I'm not mm-hmm. spending time in the sun, if I'm not if I'm not doing those things for me, I'm useless for anything else, for any other. But if I am doing all of those things for me, like just like we know how the plants work, it's feeding off. There's a network. It's feeding Mm -hmm. off of each other. Like that little bit of growth in me that's going to like, there's a little (laughs) next door that they're getting it too, you know? (laughs) The antennas start poking up. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And I feel like that I know for me, I have not had the beautiful experience of bringing a life into this world the past year that you have, but I have had my own versions of like breaking wide open and healing and breaking wide open Mm -hmm. and initiations. And um, all I can say is that it doesn't always feel amazing. (laughs) It doesn't always. In fact, sometimes (laughs) it feels like death like a like honest death right (laughs) yeah um and what like the fact that we can have this conversation and that like you exist and we're connected because of the work that you did and how it reached me and now we're having this conversation that is going to reach however many people it reaches and maybe somebody's going to be like oh my goodness like i feel heard and I I've been struggling and I feel like maybe there's a there's hope that's that's to me that is the mystery like I don't mm-hmm. need to sit I, I love sitting in circles and I, I like I but I don't need right. like you were saying I don't need a thousand hours certificate to say that I understand and surrender to the mystery right mm-hmm. I could be doing surrendering to the mystery of my pantry closet <laughs> recording totally. a podcast right yes no I love that and it's true it's like you know medicine comes in so many different ways like it's not always this plant medicine it it is through conversation for me this is medicinal this is healing um you know me like you said just however many folks hear this conversation and they you know get nuggets that help them on their journey that's medicine um me sharing my experience while being pregnant and using medicines, it was able to help somebody on their journey. Even if it was just one person, like this is not everything has to be this monumental experience. Like life is such a winding path and winding road that maybe, you know, when I was, there were moments where I was in a very dark place and we're listening to podcasts and heard those nuggets that were, you know, I was able to take what I, I want to leave what doesn't work and keep what does. And it helped me on my path going more towards the light. You know, it's, it looks different for everybody. And I think it's so important to be authentic in who you are and what your medicine is and understanding what your medicine is, because it changes as we grow and as we age and as we move on this path of life, it you know, wisdom is real. It's through experience. So all we can do is share what we can and just be moving on this path with grace. You know, it's like, that's something I've been thinking a lot about this year is how do I move with grace? How do I move with grace? How do I interact with folks from a space of 
graciousness because everybody's on their own path. Like you see a smile, but we don't know what people's experiences are, you know, that day, that year, that week, but giving them a moment of grace, it's really like trying to come with your highest version of yourself and, you know, reflecting that back from themselves. Um, and something that you said in the beginning of a conversation really st- is sticking out to me, just how medicines and motherhood are just like plant medicine use and motherhood are just not always looked at from this lens of you know, positivity or just it's misunderstood. And I don't know, a lot of what I'm feeling called to lately has been like rebridging that gap of like rematriation of these plant medicines and this mother earth who's giving us these plants and, you know, birthing us and birthing the trees around us and the experiences around us. It's like, how do we tap back into that space of nurture? Um, Hopefully, you know, hopefully, even if it's just this conversation that helps, I hope it does. It absolutely, it absolutely does. You know, I think that's mm-hmm. the what you're speaking into is this idea that like the the magic and the 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 mystery of motherhood has kind of been replaced in the way that we in the social conversations around motherhood. It's very like all the things to do, right? Like the things to check off the list. Are you at this did you do this did you check this have you talked to this you didn't talk to this you haven't signed up for preschool yet what like it's mm-hmm. all this like <laughs> like tonteria, you know yeah. but at, it's 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 sitting on top of the truth and the truth of it is this like beautiful mystery that somehow we all understand innately but no one can really put words to and isn't that the same thing that the plants are teaching us like it's right. they're they're both uh, different uh, vessels for the same lesson. Um, for sure. I'm just, yeah. I, I love you. I'm so, I love I'm you too. so glad that you sat down to talk <laughs> with me. And um, always. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so your people can connect with you now again for limpiezas and for um, one-on-one consults. Yeah. Your work, like, <laughs> like, yeah. If, if you want, if you're feeling up to it that day. Yeah. It's been such an interesting <laughs> few weeks. Like I just, I was so ready to get back to work and get back to like being on the grind. And then I got back on the grind and I was like, what the fuck? I got to go chill for a little bit longer. Like there's still so much integrating that I'm doing. Um, So I have, I am seeing some clients here and there. I always just tell folks like email me. I don't know if my, my books aren't really open for the new year yet, but I'm not opposed to seeing people. It's just, Yeah, I'm in this really interesting, I'm going into my hermit mode again. You know, I'm like closing up and just like getting cozy and again, like just integrating, just integrating all the things that have been happening. And, you know, even with us, like we belong to the same spiritual house. Like we have a lot of integration that we're doing as, you know, this spiritual community (laughs) outside of the integrating that we're doing as a collective with everything that's happening with the world. And as this year wraps up, like, yeah, I'm in deep reflection and hermit mode. So the best way to contact and connect with me is through Instagram. <laughs> Perfecto. For sure. <laughs> well, we will make sure to have the handle there so people can click in the show notes. Okay. And thank you so much. Uh, you you are officially my god sister. So 
thank you for <laughs> thank you just for like your for being part of my family and I love you and I'm so grateful for you and I can't wait till we have another conversation yes same same I love you too thank you so much <laughs> yeah queridas we made it to one of my favorite parts of each episode the moment of flow I love poetry I love words and rhythm and how when you mix the two you get into a, a beautiful state of flow and so I want to leave you with that at the end of each episode so here it is, your moment of flow. Alchemy. Hope with the moon. Move with the sun. Speak with your ancestors. Love a ton. And when you feel huddled, alone, and cold, plant your feet in the mud, scream into the abyss, and trust that the hoping and the moving and the speaking and the loving, and even the mud will lift your whales out of the chasms and alchemize them into winds of change. <laughs>